Chapter Two of Giacomo Puccini by Wakeling Dry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Puccini's Early Life In Lucca in 1858, in a house in the Via Poggia, Giacomo Puccini was born. The family originally came from Cele, a typical mountain village on the right bank of the Sergio. From the earliest times, the family was one devoted to the art of music and while the world only knows of the musician who is the subject of this book the achievements of his musical ancestors were of no mean order it will be sufficient to trace back the family to one of the same name a giacomo puccini who born in seventeen twelve studied with caretti at bologna during his student days he was the friend of martini and thus from very early days the puccini family have had intimate connection with those musicians whose names will live as long as musical history on returning to lucca this puccini was appointed organist of the cathedral and subsequently maestro di capella his compositions were entirely in the domain of ecclesiastical music and include a motet a te diem and some services his son antonio also proceeded to bologna for his musical training and in process of time succeeded to the post at Lucca. Antonio's chief composition was a requiem mass, which was sung at Lucca on the occasion of the funeral of Joseph II of Tuscany. The first of the family to turn his attention to opera was Domenico Puccini, the son of the foregoing, who, like his father and grandfather, after studying at Bologna and under the famous Paisiello at Naples, also held the post at Lucca. Of his several operas, Quinti Fabio, Il Ciaratano, and La Moglie Capricciosa had a certain vogue in his day, but have passed into oblivion. Dying at the age of forty-four, he left four children, of whom Michele was the father of the Puccini with whom we are dealing. The grandfather, Antonio, helped this young Michele, and sent him to study at Bologna, where he came under the influence of Stanislas Matei, the teacher of Rossini. Later on, he proceeded to Naples, where he was taught by Mercadente and Dorizetti. Returning to Lucca, he married Albina Maggi, and was appointed inspector of the then newly formed Institute of Music. Some masses, and an opera, Marco Foscarini, stand to his credit, but it was as a teacher that this Puccini did his best work. Among his pupils were Carlo Angeloni and Vianesi, who afterwards won distinction as a conductor, not only in Italy, but at Paris and Marseille. Michele Puccini died at the age of 51 in 1864, leaving his wife, who was then 33, to provide and care for his seven children. It is interesting to record that the famous Pacini, the composer of Sappho, which is still regarded as perhaps the chief classic of the purely Italian school, conducted the requiem sung at his funeral. Puccini's mother, in her noble work in bringing up her large family, for she was left with no great share of this world's goods, deserves infinitely more than this bare mention of her excellence. In the present instance, it is her patient care in making her fifth child, our Giacomo Puccini, a musician, that we have to recognize. But for this patience, the way of the man who was destined to achieve his own place in the annals of fame must have been still more rough. All praise, then, to the patient mother whose memory is still so lovingly cherished by her distinguished son. Giacomo Puccini was only six when his father died, 
and as a child was remarkable for a restless nature and a keen desire to travel he was sent to school at the seminary of san michele and afterwards to san martino arithmetic appears to have been his chief stumbling block but in everything his curious irresponsible nature his strong dislike to anything like guidance and restraint made the acquisition of knowledge a hard task failing to acquire any sort of distinction in any branch of scholarship an uncle of his on his mother's side tried to make him a singer but the future musician whose triumph was gained curiously enough in the display of the very art he despised added in this particular subject one more to his many failures the mother in spite doubtless of a good deal of well-meant advice as to wasting time and money on a singularly unpromising youth stuck to her conviction that giacomo was destined by his gifts to carry on the long line of family musicians and with many real sacrifices in the way of pinching and scraping sent him to lucca where at the institute of music founded by pacini he came first under the influence of angeloni who it will be remembered was a pupil of his father infinite patience seems to have been the chief quality possessed by angeloni and by dint of great tact and sympathy he infused an interest and something of a passion for music into his wayward young pupil giacomo became a fair player and was sent off to take charge of the music at the church of mulignano a little village three miles from lucca and in a short time he had the church of san pietro at samaldi added to his responsibilities it was during the exercise of his church duties that the spirit of composition seems to have descended upon him and certainly if not in actually a novel way a rather disconcerting one during the offertory and at other places in the mass it was the custom of the organist to improvise a more or less extended piece d'occasion a custom which still obtains the officiating priests were more than occasionally startled by hearing mixed up with these spirited improvisations of their young organist certain plainly recognizable themes from operas old and new there is no definite record of any specific continuation of studies while puccini was contributing in a questionable way to the dignity of the church's service but in eighteen seventy seven there was an exhibition at lucca and a musical competition was announced a setting of a cantata juno and young puccini entered as happened with berlioz so too the young composer's work was rejected as not conforming in any way with the accepted canons of the art of music puccini at this point gave an early indication of that doggedness of purpose a quiet pursuance of his own aims and working out his own ideas which marked his later career and which must have come as rather a surprise to his family who regarded him in all probability as a lazy wayward youth he did not take the refusal of the lucca authorities to accept his work the least to heart but arranged for a performance of it and the public found it very much to their taste about this time another early composition a motet for the feast of san paulina was performed with these successes lucca and its restricted area with the evidently uncongenial work of a church organist soon became entirely distasteful to him and after hearing verdi's aida at the theatre his mind was made up to milan the mecca of the young italian musician 
he must go his mother was still his best friend and although the cost of living and studying in milan was sufficient to daunt the courage of anyone far less hampered with domestic difficulties than she was she bravely set about making the necessary sacrifices through a friend at court the marchioness viola marina she enlisted the kindly sympathy of queen margarita who generously agreed to be responsible for the expense of one of the necessary three years while an uncle of hers came to her assistance by defraying the cost of the other two the conservatory of music at milan is best known perhaps from the fact that the great teacher of singing lamperti whose pupils number albani and sembrick was a professor there up to the date of his retirement in eighteen seventy five with the royal college at naples it represents at the present day the only survival of the most ancient teaching schools which began to be founded in italy at the end of the fifteenth century the name conservatorio being given to the union of music schools for the preservation of the art and science of music the oldest of them were the four schools at naples all of which were attached to monastical foundations and which had their rise in the schools founded by the fleming tinctor there were four other schools similar as to their foundation at venice the origin of which was due to another great fleming willart on reaching milan puccini's first thought was to bring himself earnestly to study and to pass the necessary examination for entrance into this reale conservatorio de musica apart from his steady determination to mend his haphazard ways it is good to note that his good resolutions were put to the test for he does not appear to have succeeded at the first trial but he had grit in him and he stuck to his work bravely and in eighteen eighty towards the end of october he passed his entrance examination with flying colours coming out with top marks over all the competitors his actual work as a student did not begin till december sixteenth of that year and we get from an interesting letter to his mother a vivid picture of his doings at that time but zini the master with whom he was put to study will be remembered as the composer of that favourite violin piece with virtuosi the witch's dance dear mamma on thursday at eleven o'clock i had my second lesson from bassini and i am getting on very well tomorrow i start my theory lessons my daily life is very simple i get up at eight thirty and when i do not go to the school i stay indoors and play the pianoforte for this i am trying now a new technical method by angeloni which is very simple at ten thirty i have my lunch and a short walk afterwards at one i return home and study bazzini's lesson for a couple of hours after that from three to five i go to the piano again and play some classic i have been playing through boito's mephistofele a kind friend having given me the vocal score oh how i wish i had money enough to buy all the music i want to get five is dinner time and it is a very frugal meal soup cheese and half a litre of wine as soon as it is over i go out for a walk and stroll up and down the galleria now comes the end of the chapter bed all through the three years of his sojourn at milan puccini from the evidence of his letters which he sent home seems to have preserved the simplicity of his nature and to have kept in a remarkable way to his good resolutions for composition he was put shortly after his entrance with ponchielli the composer of la gioconda 
For both his teachers, Puccini had the liveliest admiration, and the following extract from another of his characteristic letters to his mother, towards the end of his student days, shows how lively an interest Ponchielli took in his future. Tomorrow I have to go to Ponchielli. I have already seen him this morning, but we have had a little opportunity of talking about what I am to do in the future, as his wife was with him. However, he promised to mention me to Ricordi, and he assures me that in my examinations I have made a favorable impression. I am now working hard at my exercise, towards the completion of which I have made good progress. This exercise Puccini speaks of was the equivalent to the composition demanded by our universities before a student passes to the degree of Bachelor of Music. With this Capriccio Sinfonica, Puccini made his first mark as a rising composer. It was not, apparently, an entirely spontaneous outpouring, for he wrote it on all sorts of odd scraps of paper, just as the mood took him. It is curious to note that, although in his general character he had made a radical change from waywardness to a steady determination and purposeful endeavor towards one definite goal, his methods of work and his music writing remained, to this day in fact, as very typical of the carelessness of the artistic temperament. His scores were, and still are, exceedingly difficult to decipher. Both Bazzini and Ponchielli were much attached to the promising young musician, but his handwriting, more particularly his way of setting down notes on paper, was more than once a great trial to their patience. Bazzini, on one occasion, inquired about this final exercise, and Ponchielli replied, I really cannot tell you anything yet about it. Puccini brings me every lesson such a vile scrawl that I confess, up to the present I do no more than stare at it in despair. When Ponchielli came to sit down and study the score of this capriccio, the black beetle-like splotches on the untidy manuscript did not prevent the worth of the music from coming through and making its appeal to the kindly teacher's mind. Both Bazzini and he were struck by its freedom, its freshness, its general grip of the orchestra. It was performed at one of the conservatory concerts, and Puccini's fame, heralded by the critic Filippi, who wrote in a special article in the Perseveranza about the first performance, travelled round Milan. It is interesting to read what Filippi said about the first serious work by the future hope, operatically speaking, of young Italy. Puccini has decidedly a musical temperament, especially as a symphonist, having unity of style and personality of character. There are more of such qualities in this capriccio than are found in most composers of today. Thorough grasp of style, a quick sense of color, an inventive genius. The ideas are bright, strong, effective. He is not concerned with uncertainties, but fills up his scheme with harmonic boldness and knits the whole together logically and with perfect order. This discerning writer goes on to speak of the skillful way in which the melodic material is worked up, and the general feeling for movement, states that it called forth the warmest enthusiasm, and dubs it by far the most promising work of that year. Faccio, a well-known conductor, made arrangements to have it played in an orchestral concert, and Puccini wrote with joy and alacrity to his mother to arrange to have the parts copied asking to have sent to him, without a moment's delay, twelve first violin parts, ten seconds, nine violas, eight cellos, 
and seven bases. Flushed with his first real success, Puccini was ready to act upon any suggestion that would enable him to keep the ball, once started, rolling along merrily. Ponchelli was struck with the essentially dramatic quality of Puccini's mind and bent, and promised to find him a suitable libretto so that he might start on an opera. He invited Puccini to spend a few days at his country villa at Caprino, and there Puccini met Fontana, who, like himself, was at the beginning of his career. After much cogitation, it was decided to collaborate in a short work, so that it might be ready for the Sozogno competition, the limit of time for that event having nearly expired. Thus it was that fate, or chance, settled the form in which, as it subsequently transpired, Puccini was from the very beginning to appear as a setter of fashion in opera. But, as we shall see, the path to fame did not immediately open to Puccini. The Sozogno Prize was not won, but Levili, his first opera, was born, and like Wagner, the ardent and now well-equipped young composer began to experience those pains and penalties and bravely ploughed his way through thorns and over the rough places, and finally conquered by the sheer force of perseverance, endurance, and singleness of aim. End of chapter 2